Malala, everyone, and welcome to the Tima Talks podcast. I'm so excited uh, to be sitting down here with one of the best in youth work, in the youth work space. Um, I met and befriended this wahine tour when I was working in the community, and we have some pretty crack-up memories um, when we were working in the same organization back in the day. Um, and I'm so proud and I'm so honored to have her as my guest today. So welcome, sis. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm so excited to have you. Like I said in the intro, like it's been years, you and I go way back um, and I've seen like, you know, obviously we're still connected on social media and I've seen, you know, your progress and, and everything, all the amazing things that you've done over the years. And I'm actually really honored to have you and thank you so much for saying yes. Like I know it's random, but you know, no. you were the first person I thought of when I, when I told myself, I want to talk about youth. I want to talk about what's happening right now in our New Zealand government. Um, so I'm grateful to have you. No, thanks for having me. It's so exciting. Like, I'm literally ready to rock and roll, but also, like, yeah, good to see you, man. Long time. (laughs) (laughs) We go way... uh, Trust me, guys, for those of you who are watching this, when I say we go way back, we go way back, trust me. All right, so we'll start off. I have some questions for you. Um, Thank you so much for, for, again, for for being open to this. Um, But I'd love to... I'd love for you to introduce yourself, you know. Obviously, we already know your name, but just shout out your villages, um, the things you love to do, you know, uh, who inspires you, and yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, Malala Leng, uh, thanks again, Tima, for having me on the show. Yes, my name is uh, Simulata Bokbe. People just call me Lata. Um, Tonganiwean, my dad comes from um, Tongaleleka and Hapai Tongatapu, and then his dad's Niwean, so he, uh, his dad comes from Alofi North and Niwe, but um, grew up in the Niwean village in Tonga. Not many people know there's a Niwean settlement, and that's called within Tomatapu as well. Um, and yeah, my mum's from Holongarawa'u, Golongatai, and she grew up in Havelu Loto. So yeah, Tom and Hati residing in South Auckland, South Auckland Hati, uh, do a lot of youth work, a lot of young people love work as well. Um, yeah, and just, I just get in amongst anything with young people. Arts theatre is kind of like my hobbies outside music and all of that, but just mainly around like stage management and production. <clears throat> I'm part of the Black Friars as well. I mean, work-wise, I work for uh, Voice, which is like Voices of Young Care Experience. It's the only advocacy service for all children in state care. And then I do a lot of um, love volunteering for the Tongan Trust. So, yeah, that's me. It's a full-on life. And it's crazy because we were like, just before we, we were stuck, Yes. We started recording. We were talking about um, how back in the day we were so young, we didn't really know much about life. Um, but from like as long as like I've known you for a long time, like I said before, and you've always been yeah. doing amazing things like this. You know, you're a poet. Uh, sorry, if, I don't know if I was supposed to mention that. Yes. You're really passionate. You're a real talented poet. You're great with words. Um, you, of course, you're in theatre. Shout out to the Black Friars. I've been to some awesome, actually some amazing um, productions um, that have, they've done out over in the community. Um, so, so what inspired you to get into youth work? Because I've known you for a long time, like I said, and um, you've been in youth work since then. I've seen your career progress into the amazing um, space that it is now. So, you know, what inspired you to get into youth work? and my mom is a social worker my family is a caregiving foster family so I kind of always knew that like wherever my career would be it always to be helping people um but then I just chose and followed my dad I am quite a daddy's girl and he's the biggest girl dad so I just love working with young people I also love like his story as well um dad was an orphan at 16 he kind of had to raise him and his brothers so you know there was a lot of ways where he kind of overcame the world a little bit in terms with um growing up fast and I just love the power that young people have to do that so um yeah I've just invested all my time just kind of working and and walking along journeying along with with young people and um i just believe that they can change the world if you give them a chance yeah 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 100 100 percent. and like speaking of your dad i've met him a few times the most friendliest funniest person ever um this i went to a tongan event and he was part of it and i I wish i did recognize him straight away and i wish i could fuck up him i really wish i could have so it was it was pretty cool um Talk to us about the Tongan Youth Trust, because I'm not sure what your involvement is there, but um, I think that spaces for our Pacific kids are are always good and always beneficial for them. So talk to us about your involvement there and what inspired that that mahi. 
Yeah, so my the Tongan Youth Trust is actually my dad's baby. That's his kind of like lifelong, you know, charity and trust. And basically what it is is that um, there was a point in time within the New Zealand Tongan community where the Tongans just could not handle some of the youth issues that were happening around our Tongan young people. So Tongan Youth Trust was established to help parents and help families, especially young people, settle effectively from that migrant story. Mm. And I guess now moving over to like New Zealand born, first generation, second generation and third generation Tongan, um, New Zealand born Tongans, um, my work now is just kind of elevating that. So yeah, basically lately we've just been doing a lot of COVID response groups, um, really helping like the anti-vax, pro-vax debate happening for young people to understand yeah. where they can make an informed decision. Um, obviously there was a lot of students kind of dropping out. There were that were Tongan, um, like dropping out of high school to work because of the COVID impact that they were having at home. So just walking alongside some of those ways of how do we still teach our kids um, outside of the classroom to get the credits that they need and work at the same time. We've done some food bank stuff lately. So, yeah, I guess with, with my work at Tongan New Trust, it's just a lot of grassroots community impact work yeah. that works because we know that only our people can change our people, only our people can help our people yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and now we're heading into some youth gang stuff and, and really articulating some of those things of how do we get our young people that are Tongan and Pacific out of that pipeline into prison? How do we stop that? How do we get them back to, to loving and caring homes and families? Yeah. Is that quite hard to do? Because I know that with Pacific, especially in Pacific families, parents can be quite stubborn in their ways of, I guess, in their mentality and young people don't, you know, you're not spoken to unless... You know, you don't you don't speak unless you're spoken to. Is it quite hard to advocate for young people to, I guess, our elderly generation, our older generation? Yeah, for sure. Like the the biggest and the most recent um, project that we've done was um, the big Tongan community tsunami relief work, where we, um, you know, donated and fundraised about ten point six million dollars back to Tonga since the tsunami. Um, I was in charge of bringing in all the young people around volunteering on site at Mount Smart, but also I was also in charge of doing the manifest and the admin work. It was so hard initially to have people understand that young people can, can lend a hand. And so there was a lot of perception of like, nah, nah, you can't really do that. There was a lot of like condescending patronizing patronizing wives as well of like oh really you can't do that you know um but i think what our elders and our community realize is that like young people have energy they just need to be taught they just need an opportunity and they just need to be like educated on how to do things and they'll run with it because um we brought like 60 kids at one time they stayed up up until midnight just going through containers and barrels and registrations and and stayed up established a massive database and um, you know, we're, we're talking about 2,000 families or 2,000 um, parcels or donations that went back to Tonga, like young people recorded all yeah. of that. And so that was a neat example of like proving to elders that we still have goodness. Yeah. But I think there's just a little bit of a perception that they're just too young, they don't understand, yeah. you know. And, and one of the cool things about that is that we never got in, in, involved with the politics. There was no ego with us. There was no dramas because all we wanted to do was do our part and, and get out of there. And so sometimes it's actually easier having young people um, understand what they need to do and working with young people rather than working with heaps of Pacific adults because it just gets noisy. Yeah. You know how it is. Politics. Ego, yeah. Different, yeah. different so, views, different opinions. Yeah. 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 Definitely. 100%. Yeah. So, so our leaders, um, what inspired me to reach out to you, of course, I'd, I'd love to, love, I mean, I really wanted to see how you were doing. Um, but... Um, our leaders in the country, in the Beehive, and the whole of Aotearoa have been talking about our rangatahi, and I've heard every opinion except the opinion of people who actually dedicate their whole career, their, you know, pretty much their lives to, because it is, it's, it's not just the career, um, have dedicated their career to um, working with rangatahi. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on the on Nationals' proposed welfare reform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I feel kind of mixed, to be honest. I think there's, like, definitely a massive debate and there's a lot of pressure to, like, choose one side or the yeah. other. But I actually feel like there are some really, really good pros and some, and some quite, like, 
concerning cons as well. But I think contextually, when we're looking at youth work and youth workers, like they always bring the other context in the bigger picture. And so for me, like what I really love is like, thank goodness, finally in 2022, um, our adults and our bloody prime minister are like looking at our young people and looking at the needs of young people. Like that was my biggest win about this whole conversation is that like, we're hearing our prime minister and the opposition fighting over the needs and wanting to invest in our young people. Like that's a journey in itself because young people and children are always like pushed to the side. It's never, it's never really about them in reality, you know? So I love that they're fighting over young people. I love that they're fighting over the investment of young people. It's, it's a big, big win in, in terms of, of what, like what we should prioritize in New Zealand. Um, and I think, where, you know, all the differences are, the biggest silver lining about this is that finally these adults in the room who care about what our young people's needs are for the future. So wherever you sit on the bill, wherever you sit on the reform or however you sit politically, like, it's so cool hearing that they're talking about this and making a big fuss. Yes. Um, I think it's also pretty legit that, like, finally our government, national is picking up you know, a strong focus on investment in young people. We never talk about like vocational or career-based um, opportunities for young people as much as we should. Yeah. Like we always know that kids are the future, but we never have really heard in our government like particular pathways to make them the future now. So that's been pretty awesome to hear National like take that stride by stride in terms of like putting their foot down and saying, hey, we really want to invest in this. But we also think that young people can change the economic crisis at the moment if we just place a little bit of focus. So that's what I love about this reform is like, finally, we're looking at long-term goals and long-term investments within our young people. Yeah. I think we are, I get quite concerned about is obviously the welfare of that, like many other people. And it's not necessarily like, I have to be really honest, like it's not really different to what Labour is, is right now. So. I think there's a lot of like toing and froing that like Labour's right and National's wrong or National's right and Labour's wrong. Like if you actually really think about what's happening right now for our young people in terms of youth employment, it's no different. This reform is no different from what Labour is currently doing, except there's an extra extension yes. of that. So I also think that Labour needs to kind of wake up to the reality of youth unemployment at the moment, because I think while they're fighting this fight and saying, hey, you know, this is not really youth friendly, blah, blah, blah. What's currently happening within our welfare system for youth unemployment is the very same. So that's where kind of like my hesitation and my concerns come from, is that we're looking at this from a very economic, corporate, um, very long-term based situation, but we are still like underliningly missing and avoiding the point of poverty, our huge, huge um, mental yeah. health yeah. services, under-resourced yeah. high schools, education system, um, and also COVID. Like all of these things we have been really major to the context of our young people, the context of our family units, and the context of like just bouncing back. And so I think it's much more easier to say more jobs, equal more money and that we could just put all of these kids who can work on this and it will happen but we're still significantly missing the story behind it where our kids are still barely surviving out of COVID um, all of these ram raids and all of the youth homelessness stuff like all of these major major issues aren't because kids want money it's actually much deeper mm -hmm. than that and so I think both Labour and um, National are missing the point in terms of with this. And so when I heard like that one of the key features of this reform would be like community-based coaches, like if we look at the welfare system now, if we look at job seekers, if we look at wins, it's already a whakama embarrassing process to go through for anybody, not just for a young person, but for anybody. So how is it that we're going to invest these people in terms of coaches to change that game. I think we, we have to really understand like within the welfare system, we have to turn around a massive beast. And that's years and years and years and years and years upon, you know, unlearning. It's not just these new people are gonna change the new dynamic and these young people are gonna jump on it. Like there's definitely um, 
benefits to it but i think what we're missing at the moment is that value of of young youth friendly systematic um, mana enhancing ways because i think the biggest hesitation for me around this reform is how do we ensure that the young person who can work can go through all of the system and then at the end still have their dignity intact because yeah. at the moment we've uh, um because at the moment it's not happening and that's the reality and I can like legit argue with anybody around that. Like you can be a young person who's confidently happy enough to walk into a one's office and say, hey, I'm unemployed, I've been on the dole, there's nothing wrong, but I can work, how can how can you help me? And then they'll be happy. 99% would not yeah. be, you know, it would not be as straightforward as that. And we also need workers that love young people. And I think we often miss that, like not bagging any of these employees at once, but it is a system that catches up people. So <laughs> when we're looking at young people coming into the mix to get a job, how are we going to ensure that it's friendly enough for them to come to you and say, hey, how's it that me getting a job versus me staying at home going to be better? And as annoying as it sounds, it sounds a little bit entitled, you know, and I get Nationals kind of um, viewpoint of having them like get off the couch and come and work kind of vibes. But we also know our young people are like that. We're talking about vulnerable, vulnerable families. Like once you reach, you know, that, that point where you're asking assistance of the government, there's already some sort of mummy, um entailed a lot for our brown communities for a lot of our Māori and our Pacific whanos. so we also have to bring that into the mix we have to acknowledge that like government is effed up in some places to our communities we are left by the wayside we are the long brown tail in many many ministries so when we're looking at this reform and we're looking at somebody a middle-aged white man saying hey I can change your life I can invest in you I can get you a job can't follow me like is that really going to happen you know and so for a lot of our pacific and maori young people they would much rather just get what's free you know just wait till every thursday until the money rolls through and they don't have to do that much but i think we're missing the point in terms of like um in order to invest in our kids we truly have to sit alongside them listen to them and work and journey along them and it's not just a policy that can happen overnight that can change that you know so that's how I kind of feel about the policy um and I feel like national can do it they will set out to make the numbers crunch if they really hold the dignity and manner of young people in any reform you know and if if labor continues to be the next government they really have to wake up and smell the coffee with that yeah. as well like what we have currently it ain't, ain't perfect to what they're arguing across across the street you know so yeah, that's a little bit about my thoughts. If that was yeah, no, 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 that's amazing. That's amazing, and that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Like, I people need your obviously people need your opinion. People need views from people who actually do work with youth. And when I when I look at it, because of my experience, I look back at my experience of working with the community. I feel like youth workers are already job job coaches in themselves. So when I was looking at when I heard about this reform, I, I thought to myself. Well, great, because then we can increase funding towards our youth workers and, and, and youth coaches and the people in the community space. And they have more money to be able to execute this type of work because there are too many youth workers, social workers, you name it. Every type of community worker going over and beyond their role and putting in so much time and effort, time away from their whanau to support young people and not getting paid enough for it. So I was like, if we have this welfare reform, let's give them the pay rises that they deserve. Let's put more money into the community. And that, that was just where I was coming from. That's why I was quite supportive of it. But I'm really glad that you've shared your, uh, your opinion so then I can, you know, reflect back on what I was thinking before. And it's always good to have these conversations so we can, you know, learn more about it, especially from people who actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, and I mean, like, you're totally on the money as well, if it works, you know, and, like, with what I see thus far, like, there's still a massive disconnection between community and yeah. ministry. Like, hey, the vaccination is a clear example of distrust in government, you know? So how is it that we're going to tackle these really vulnerable communities and say, hey, we really invest in your young people and believe they can do better, you know? Because I think we're also missing the mark a little bit of the narrative as well. Like, um this this reform and, and some of the, the cool strength-based views of it is like it is going to be community-based. Let's celebrate on that. 
but then you see on media and you see online that there's a lot of these like kind of connotations that young people are lazy that will will kind of already assume that young people are working and dull bludging as well so i think that there's a lot of hesitation from like the other side in terms of like all, all those who are against this reform saying like you're just putting young people in a box you're just putting young people in a in kind of like a corner to already say that they're lazy that they're working and they're just taking money yeah. off the government because actually that's not okay. the case but i think what i'm really really concerned about with this reform is that it needs to be done right and you need to walk alongside community with them you know and and that's the only way it works if we're going to invest in these coaches it has to be yeah. networkers it has to be ngos and we need to remove the red tape we need to remove the auditing monitoring red tape number crunching whatever and we need to trust that that, that community-based services um when resourced do right things you know and that's that's another argument within yeah. network and, and social services yeah, but, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge believer in only the hood can heal the hood yeah, I'm yes, a huge believer yes. in that. I don't know where I heard it from. I'm going to take credit for it. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah. only the hood. Re- and it's true. I look, I mean, I'm from Manu- I'm from Otara. I'm from Manurewa. And I I would much rather, being a South Auckland girl, I would much rather, if I was in that position, no, nah, actually, let's put it this way. I only trust my own. And that's just the reality of it. I do not trust randoms coming out here trying to help me sometimes i think oh well what's your agenda but if it's someone one of my one of my brothers and sisters in the hood it's like okay cool yeah i i, I feel you on that one um like i was saying i feel like youth workers social workers social workers in schools they're already uh job coaches in themselves i mean have you ever had to walk any rangatahi down the path of employment in your in your experience yes yeah Definitely. I've had a few in my time, both like professionally and also like cousins, nieces, nephews. And like even up till now, you know, there's a lot of like random names of like kids that I used to work with and they're like, I'm applying for a job, can you give me a reference? And then you talk about the CV and you talk about the process of interviewing, but then you also steer them in, in the right direction of what they want to do as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've also worked with young people down the unemployment route of going into ones and getting youth payment and all of that kind of stuff. And like, that's really what it is. We need adults to walk alongside our young people. It's it's super embarrassing in some situations. You're literally going to somebody and asking them, you know, that you're poor, you need money. Like we need to really put in the humanistic values you know, within these processes and just not see for what it is on words. And then when working alongside some of, yeah, mentoring some of my kids to get out of that, um, my biggest advice is, like, stay in school for as long as you can. Write those credits up. Like, education is totally key. Not necessarily reading and writing education, but, like, just upskilling your brain to become more confident, to become... um, more interested in the world find your muse find your passion because that's what that's what comes when you stimulate your mind and if you can't sit in the classroom there's many other ways to get educated and that's what i found in employment like the only way to change the game is to be in the game and unfortunately at the moment the only way to be in the game is to sometimes get that piece of paper live by the rules of society a little bit and then just climb up that ladder so um when you're looking at employment I'm always telling my kids to go back to school, get those credits, try and get something, try and get a call, um, because then that always can be your plan B after you chase dreams yeah. a little bit and, and get your credits. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's 100% true, man. I remember when like I went through a, a phase in high school where I just I discovered poison alcohol and um, <laughs> my yeah. parents had a really hard talk with me and it's really cool and, and sometimes it gets a bit naggy when it comes from your parents but when it comes from other adults um that's what i love about being from such a collective culture where it re- we really are a village you know and your voices like yours and and professions are like yours are, are really important so this is just a question that i just came up with now um and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to but i was just thinking while you were talking um do you think that if this pro, if this welfare reform goes ahead, um, do you think that it's a system that allows young people to support themselves? Yeah, I think like from from somebody who's been working with young people for a really long time, and especially like the most most vulnerable of our young people, like 
I think when we look at this reform, like that's that's exactly what's wrong with it. Like we should stop creating systems to help people and just be like a way of life, really, in terms of like being being really good citizens, being good-handed, like um, invested human beings. Because I think that's why a lot of our young people facing a lot of like hard struggles at the moment is is that is that we just need to cut the BS and stop making processes and like lanes and red tape and all of these things where young people need to jump hoops from and really celebrate and empower what they are. So um, what I mean by that is like I saw a quote on Facebook this morning saying like um, we should like I wrote it down we need to start teaching our kids to be happy instead of them focusing on, on needing to be rich. Like, and that's exactly what I feel like um, when it comes to the reform is like, yeah, long-term economic crisis, investment, education, all of that stuff is great, but we really need to celebrate like the long-term happiness because we know that from resilience, from um, experiences of legit just being like really, really content, peaceful, joyous within yourself, um, a lot more benefits come from that. So we need to motivate our young people other than money. Yeah to reason themselves long-term. So, like, if we just take this reform and, like, slightly handle um, the lens to, a, like, a two-degree focus, we'll, think, we'll find things like the COVID impact that it has on our high school students, the low achievement rates and, and presence that our high school students have had in school. We're also looking at some long-term youth homelessness and just the vast scale of what's happening on our streets, youth um, offending, youth gangs, all of that kind of jazz, and then looking at our mental health. So, like, when we're looking, if we look at the other streams of what's happening for our young people, we also know that, yeah, this reform will be great if it works and, and if we do it right, but we're also not too far away from establishing even more youth um, problems and even more youth-based problems for our young people. So, I guess what I'm saying is that, yeah, the reform does have a particular focus on long-term um, young people, you know, kind of investing in themselves, but it's also a very one-sided one investment, you know. It is very financially based, it is very career-driven, it is very corporate-like, but we were totally missing the mark on mental health, yeah. on COVID response, yeah. on, on poverty, yeah. you know, on, on, on all of those kind of stuff. And, we need all of those to complement each other if we're actually going to say we're, we're investing long-term in our young people. That kind of makes it sense. It definitely makes sense. And I have had a lot of involvement in the National Party um, in the last elections. Um, I was... You know, I volunteered for the National Party. I was hoarding, you know, holding signs for the National Party. I was a huge supporter of it. And I think that one flaw, I, I do believe, and I'm not saying this to be biased, because I've been Labour supporter and I've been other kinds of supporters, but every party except for national up until the 2020 elections and the, I guess the only downside of, of that was the amount of conversations that was had on being rich it was there were too many conversations about it and I was thinking like you know it, it was maybe it's just in the conversations I was having because not everyone was like that but in the little conversations it was always and I was in business as well um it, we won't go into that but um it was it was so out of touch with our Rakatahi, and I've worked, I come from the community. So you get someone that's been in the community their her whole career, and then you put me into the space. I, the only thing I'm thinking of is, but wait, you know, well, like well, this is so out of touch. We're always talking about entrepreneurship and business and making money, and I understand that is a, a great part of the economy, but it's not the only part um, that we should be focusing on. Yeah. But anyway, um, but that's cool that we've been talking about it. And I guess my question here, but you've pretty much answered it. Um, so it's just for those of you who are listening, I planned on asking Lata, um, based on based on your experiences with youth, Lata, do you think that this uh, proposed welfare reform will actually work for young people? You yeah, want to answer? They just need to do it properly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, do it right. They need to do it holistically, you know, if, if it does work. And it's not just like... A, a kid getting a job is not the, the success, yeah. it's not the outcome. Yeah. And it doesn't also take them off the street in terms of like the other problems that we're, we're using as an excuse to, yeah. you know. But we also have to really, I think one thing that I forgot to mention is that we really have to acknowledge the distrust that people have within the government. 
and the long-term intergenerational trauma that a lot of our families who are in the welfare system have against the government. So if we're really looking at getting some sort of reform for our young people, we have to acknowledge what has been, we actually have to hold accountable for what has been done, and then we also have to look at severely the massive institutionalisation, racism, colonialism, colonisation yeah. that our government and our long-term you know, systems within this country have. Yeah. But that's another That's podcast. a huge, huge conversation. And I'm, I'm so... <laughs> That's for that's for our next drink up. That's for our next drink up. <laughs> um, even though I, we were just talking about back in the day when we were young, back in our twenties, um, I think that we still do look young. I, I truly do. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but do you believe? Uh, sorry, I feel, but I still feel like there are some breakdowns in terms of uh, intergenerational communication. And what you know, what do you think we can do to bridge that gap between um, our rangatahi and for our, our older generation, just for them to better understand um, where that's yeah, actually, yeah. where youth are coming from. Sorry, I've been using Māori words. It's just my career, you know, my community yeah. side coming out of me. But yeah, so rangatahi means youth. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I mean, um, I have had my fair share. Like, I'm working now with, like, kids that have been born, like, in 2000. When you, like, um, when, like, you when you, they were born when we just first started smoking in high school. <laughs> who are like just graduated in 2000 yeah. and like 20 and I'm just like what like you know so I think one of the things like Gen Z like all of these kind of like different generational you know um young people and so what what I really need to like have the older the older generations realize is that this is not new every single generation and every single era of the human history has always begged young people being too different, they're so lazy, they're so entitled. Who are these young people? They're always mucking that up. So the 80s adults always said that about the 90s babies, and the 90s babies said that about the millennials, and now we're saying that about these Gen Zers. So I think for the older generations, we need to realise that it's it's human nature to always feel that young people are different because they are. And I think for the older generation, one of the things that is not popular to always say is that we set them up. We made Facebook, we created social media, we made touch phone, you know. We created all of these kind of immediate reactions to get, like, emotions on a screen. So when we're looking at these generations saying they're just lazy, like, who, no other person except for the guy that was born in the 80s and the 90s, you know, created that phone or created this platform or, or created these startups. So I think we need to, like, really hold true to that because, um, there's no other way, but we're just evolving in society and we just have to be really open to what young people bring. And so I always try to tell young um, adults that, like, hey, 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 I get it. You know, you, I want to punch them, at, you know, at the same time you do too because they're so annoying right now. Um, but we have to realise that we, we set this up because once upon a time we thought that this is the right investment or this is the right decision or this is the right way of living for our future generations. And we're always going to focus on kind of like the consequences rather than the success, you know, all of that kind of jazz. So that's what I got to say about um, the older generations. Yeah. But for these younger newbies as well, like all these Gen Zers and, and all the kids that I say, you know, um, that I talk to and I work alongside, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit tough and I, and I work a lot with tough love mm -hmm. with them. And really, it's just to tell them, like, yeah, you've got all of these things in your hands. But, man, it is so beautiful if you go back and hear the stories of what's, what, 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 what was, you know. Even just hearing, like, the beautiful stories of where your parents kind of grew up, where your grandparents kind of grew up, where your ancestors come from, kind of the homeland. Compare what you have now to what was then. Like, it changes a lot of the narrative. So for these young people who are getting really caught up in, like, social media, relationships, money, 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 years, you know, looking the best, um, getting all of, like, these kind of TikTok likes and going viral, like, we kind of set up that life. But for that young person that's really going through it, like, man, sit down with your grandma. Like, that's a luxury mm -hmm. nowadays for a lot of people. You know, sitting down with your mom and your dad, like that's a luxury as well. So I'd really encourage like our Pacific leaders, like 
the education that can't be taught, you know, the values that you hold in your heart that you carry on to be for a lifelong person is at home. It's in your backyard. Like, please look up how to volunteer at your library. Like, go around to, you know, your hood and just really look at what the need is and start something up. Um, if not, get in touch with us. Like, we know different avenues of how young people can change mm -hmm. the world. And that's what I'd really like to encourage our generation to come, you know, and, and prove us wrong. Prove us that you're not lazy. Prove us that you're not entitled. Prove prove to us that you, you can do better. And so that's a lot about what I say to, to the different kind of audiences. You know, a lot of our adults are like, yeah, give them a little bit of grace. They are annoying, but we also didn't grow up like that. Mm. And then to these young ones, like, Go back, go back home. And if you can go home, like homeland stuff, if you can go back to Tonga, Samoa, anywhere, wherever, like do it. Do it by yourself if you need to. Like there's some beautiful, beautiful narratives of wisdom that we haven't even learned because we live the way that we do here on the screen and, and virtually and with schools and in, and in South Auckland, all of that kind of jazz. But if you can get out, get yeah. out. If you can learn, learn, you know, and if you can really stimulate your knowing being, do that yeah yeah i love that that's awesome um uh, mean that's good um what, what's some of your what advice do you have out there for people um who want to start a career and working with young people yeah i mean i have a lot of patience you know um but please like if you are gonna start like you gotta like them and you gotta like love um what they stand for wholeheartedly like my youth work journey with young people haven't always been the best you know I've, I've got like sworn at stuff smashed up stolen everything under the sun it's probably happened you know I've actually been like followed home cornered like all these different things has happened in my youth work life but um you have to still believe that you know that they can change the world otherwise this is not for you um and what I always come down to is that, like, youth workers and anybody that works with young people, they are sometimes the only dimming candlelight in the darkest, darkest world. So you must always, always remember that, um, yeah, within the Friars, our creative director, Dr. Michelle Johansson, like, she always says to teachers, like, sometimes you need to relieve young people of the knives um, that they have, they're not entirely like throwing it to point it at you, but they're just probably taking it out from themselves. So we need to realize that like their walks of life is pretty tough sometimes. And like being, you know, talking to somebody about it and like the adult is just like, oh, you should have imagined what I was like when I was younger. Oh, that's nothing. But we, we actually have to realize that for these young people, that's all they know thus far in their life but also like it's really hard to navigate life full stop and so if you really want to be in a career of helping young people please love on them heavy because we do need more love than we do you know um academics and you know registered practitioners like all of that can be taught but if you just need the heart start there um and then play the game you know um I'm managing staff now like I want to change bureaucratic systems to to use young people like my long-term goal is to finally put like Pacific young people on a map that changes the world like so you can't just um don't think that youth work is just frontline youth working anymore like long gone other days take that into your academia to your corporate business to your side hustle to your family gatherings anywhere and everywhere you can take youth work and, and really relieve those um those conversations you know so yeah that's that's kind of a good yeah. starting point no, that's amazing that's and real insightful as well who inspires you yeah um yeah a lot of people i think like obviously my dad because there is like we do have a really unique bond um <laughs> and i think what what really inspires me about his story and I get it from everywhere else is like um, there was one point in time that my dad could have gave up you know much like many other young people much like many other young people and he did it and for some strange reason he carried on going um, and that's probably to the detriment of you know a lot of other people saying that he couldn't 
and um that's what inspires me that's like that very thought inspires me to yeah. carry on and, and do better yeah yeah no, that's amazing um man i always uh, i always have to smile when you mention your dad um he, he, he honestly for those of you who are listening i have never had the honor and privilege of meeting Simulata's dad um, he is the type of person that will come and say hello to you ask you how you are if he's got food on her, he will offer you food um a real real nice kind-hearted man and your mum as well she's quite um she's very very um uh so she was a youth work no social work yeah, yeah social work. i just keep from it but... yeah man yeah um do you have any advice for any young people out there who are going through through a hard time right now or any parents who have young people who are going through hard times i mean like um yeah we kind of like touched on it a little bit as well like you know we've come from like some really good supportive homes and backgrounds where you know they really shaped and molded us but it wasn't until we kind of like reached that that time you know that we had to be dark for ourselves and within ourselves and and kind of like go through our own personal storm that that really like shaped who we are you know and I think about that time like um yeah I think about some of the the really really hard times where you know I've been legit like kitchen floor nobody else there like depressed you know I've been like all of those moments where you're trying to like hold your tears in bed and you're, you don't want your family to hear, but you're really going through it and they're really busy, you know, that, that kind of dark. I'm talking about that kind of dark. I'm talking about, you know, sitting in the car alone in the car park at 3 a.m. in the morning just so that you can just get out your thoughts because things aren't going okay. And then you turn on the car and you drive home. Like that, that kind of dark is what I'm talking about. And if, any young people or any young person or any parent that's that's witnessing that for the young person um is happening right now like i don't want to be that person that, that kind of does you know the the cliche you know or reach out and talk to somebody because man when i went through that dark like there was a very little like i have a good set of family and friends but it was very little opportunity to reach out all because like it's within yourself, you know, and so all I've got to say to that is um, go through it, give yourself full permission to really, really go through it, but make sure that you get on out of it, and um, getting on out of it also means that you stay alive, so for me, it's like for any young person that's going through the deepest, darkest, just know that you can get out by yourself, um, but think of what the person to come is. So think about Lata in the future and what that stands for in this moment. But also think about Lata in the past and what she's gone through to come to this moment as well. So that has always been kind of my two guiding lights. And like um, I've gone through some really tough times and then quite recently with the dawn raids, like, you know, I'm not sure if you knew, but like, my family recently just found out that my grandparents were directly involved. Like we read all of these articles and we read like all of these memos and it was just like, what the hell? This wasn't my nana and my papa. Like they, they were still in Tonga at the time. So like, you know, a little bit about their stories. Like my grandparents came much earlier than we thought that they did, got locked up in the raids wrongfully and then kept it hush hush and moved back to Tonga, lived their life and then came back again. So we didn't know anything, none of this was happening until it led up to the apology. We went through some of the court stuff, uh, court case stuff and then we saw uh, um we saw the articles and like the the deep dark hurt that I felt when I read like the sentence where the policeman refused to leave the bedroom when my nana got asked to put on her pyjamas when they got raided that morning, like that's in an article and that's shared online. Thousands and thousands, if not millions of people have used this particular article as an example to talk about the thought raids. Like that one line talks about my nana, you know, my my nana, my the lady of my house and for her mana to be like, trampled on like that like I think about the times where I was in their car park and I think about the times where I was like in in the room you know holding back my tears I think about my dark time and I'm like 
man, this is why I've got through it. Like, there's no excuse because, like, I stand on the shoulders of giants, and and I'm gonna keep keep going, you know. And so I think about some of those traumatic moments, but also the healing that comes from our ancestors. And I think about the dark times that I endured, and I'm like, I'm going to get by. If that's what she went through, this is nothing. But also, if that's what she's went through, I hold that energy, and I can keep going. So if you are literally, like, going through it, know that you are always enough. But also know that you are always, always loved, present, past, future. It's any young person in this world, as any person really in this world, like... You've got what it takes to be enough to carry on to 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 be the best version of yourselves and what what your ancestors always aspired you to be. So, yeah, and I think like the to finish my big opera moment, <laughs> like even now I was gonna cry. Um, is that like this beautiful quote that I always think about my story is that like your sweet existence softens the wounds of your ancestors and like. For any young person who feels that deep darkest, like know that somewhere in the world, even if you can't feel it, your presence is sweet to somebody. You are loved, you are needed, and um, yeah, you are enough. So, <laughs> gosh, what did you put? Nah, like that. Just thank you so much, like, yeah. man. Like, I do feel your emotion. From here, I'm on the other side of the yeah. Pacific Ocean, but I can really feel that. Not, not, not just because, like you know, you're sharing this and thank you for, for sharing that with me. Thank you for, for your vulnerability and sharing that on my platform. Um, but it hits different when stories like that come and, and yeah. emotions like that come from my fellow Pacific sisters. Um, man, like, yeah. so um, I can only imagine how it would have been for you processing like a whole apology that happened last year, everything that happened there. I can only imagine how, how emotional it would have been for you. You're far, far for all of us, really. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like we legit just found out all of this happened like four weeks before yeah. the apology. And we didn't even know, like, you know, we, I always knew the apology was happening. And I was like, yeah, you know, that period, it was really tough. But I couldn't relate at the time. So when they, all, all those stories came out, and then I see the articles, and then I see what's written, and then we go through this legal court case thing. It's like, holy, you know. And then is this land really the land that I came to do? right by like that was the biggest you know um, ethical dilemma in my heart was like I've studied here I'm Hati Safopenda and I've invested my whole entire life to help young people in Aotearoa and they've done this they've done this to my family you know so um I came out of it and I still feel like I'm, I am where I'm meant to be but man that was that was really hard and that was really dark and when I look at things like the reform and when I look at, you know, social policy and I look at government, like, it's always at the back of my mind. Are you going to do right by the man and dignity of people? If not, do better, you know, and I'm here to tell you that, that we can always do better. So, yeah. I love that. This this yeah. conversation has gone 10,000 times better. I had high expectations. <laughs> I had very high expectations. You've exceeded it by far too much man i'm like i can't wait to share this and i can't wait to tag um you know i can't wait to tag the national party because i feel i hope you don't mind i'm going to tag them and everything because these are conversations that need to be heard i'm not sure what insight they have um you know like not just the national party bro the whole i'll tag both parties um because i'm not sure what opinions yeah. they've heard yeah man every politician man because they need to hear this and um I want to say thank you. I will leave it there. I've got a couple more questions for you, but um, real fun questions just to end it off. Um, but I want to say thank you again for, for sharing for sharing that. I, I, you, you didn't have to share it, and but I'm so glad you did. And I really, really appreciate it. Um, so I've got a couple of this or that questions that I want to ask you just to keep it fun because you're still young, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you're still, we still look 25. Um so what do you prefer tv series or movies yeah TV series. all right um TV series, yes. here because i've known you for a long time i know you're gonna like this one momo tea or dumpling house oh, yeah <laughs> you are the biggest momo tea fan i know man okay uh theater watching theater like uh actual real life shows uh or movies theater I, yeah, I already knew yeah. that one. Um, 
fiction or non-fiction books? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I love like being a nerd and you know looking at like microbiology or conspiracy theories. So no, nah, but I would have to do fiction. You'd love you love a good rom-com book, you know. Cool. All right. Um, vacation with friends or solo vacations? Ooh, vacation yeah. friends. Yeah. But but solo vacations are good too. Yeah, definitely. I'm just like a drop nuts. Like, yeah, I can't be by myself in another country. Oh, I probably yeah. need to be actually. I only trust the yeah, 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 yeah. Same. <laughs> Whoa! I saw that you went to Japan. That's my dream. Yes, That's my dream destination. Was what was it like? Mexico, Japan, and Italy are my top three. You need to do it. Man, like, everything that you think it is, it is times 5,000. Like, I was literally in the dairy, like, this is my bucket list. Like, just sitting in a convenience dairy in, like, Japan was just, like, I felt like I was in a K-drama, like, eating the <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And everyone's, like, looking at me, and I'm, like, oh, somebody filmed me. <laughs> No, that that looks cool, man. I saw your, I see you. Obviously, I follow you so closely on Instagram, and I'm like oh, living the life, man. Yeah. So, what was it? Mexico, so, Mexico, Italy, and Japan. Yeah, that sounds so cool. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, yeah. yes, that brings our podcast to an end. Um, if there's anything I should like to add, here's your chance. No, I just like to thank you for your platform. Like, oh man, it's been a minute, and we've known each other for a long, long time. So, always know that I'm cheering from here, cheering from afar, back in the hood, and um, yeah, always, always yeah, good to see for you for sure. And, and when I when I'm over when I'm back home next time, um, I'll, I'll definitely hit you yes. up because it'll be it'll be nice to laugh about some stuff that we can't really laugh about here. <laughs> because uh, I'll get fired from my job if my boss sees it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but man, good times, good times. Um, I will leave it there. Thank you so much, sis. Um, please thank you for the work that you do as well in our community. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared today. Um, and keep up the amazing work, man. Just super inspiring seeing our speaker sisters out there killing it in, in their career and especially in such an important career such as the youth space. Sounds cool. good. Awesome. All right, sis. Thank All right, you, you take care. We'll catch up again. All right. See you.